turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. While you're turning there, I just want to give you a little bit of a background on what we're going to read. We're going to read the first couple of verses in Romans chapter 8. This is a passage in, in Romans written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing to the Romans and in, in the preceding chapter, in chapter 7, he's, as he kind of closes that out, and keep in mind, by the way, that the chapter divisions were added to the Bible a lot later. So this is just one continuous passage from 7 to 8. Anyway, at the end of 7, Paul is writing and he says, I am messed up. I'm wrestling with myself. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing. Now, this is the Paul that, as he writes different parts of the Bible, he refers to himself as, listen to this, blameless concerning righteousness that is within the law. He calls himself the chief sinner. He calls himself the, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And then he's writing this stuff in chapter 7, and he's wrestling with between the spirit and the flesh, and he He finally closes it out in chapter 7. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am! And then he continues on, and he writes these two verses, verses 1 and 2 in chapter 8. And he says, There is therefore now, everybody say now, no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah Hallelujah is exactly right. Hallelujah is exactly right. Pray with me, won't you, please? Holy Spirit, we invite you right into this place. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit... I just stand before you this morning and say, use me, here I am. Let me get out of your way. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to do a mighty work in your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we've been in a season of messages where Pastor Allen and others have been preaching a declaration called, I am free. I mean, I am statements. Today, I'm going to declare that you, I am free. I am free. I want to declare that over each and every one of you. I am free. You are free. So the last time that that you and I had the privilege of visiting with each other in this setting, I told you the story about a little guy who was living in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and he got on his tricycle and he Rode downtown on his trike. Pretty ornery little guy. And what I want to do is I want to fast forward from that point about, I'm going to say about three or four years beyond that. And so that same little kid, his dad is a deacon in a independent but denominational church. And I don't even have to tell you the denomination because really it's not important and I don't want to 
get caught up in that. But this kid is going to church on Sunday morning, and he's going to church on Sunday night, and he's going to church on Wednesday night, and he's going to church on Thursday evening to visitation. He's going to church a lot. The kid is going to church a lot. But the real action is happening on Sunday morning in big church. And so there's a man that stands up in the pulpit on Sunday morning, and he is preaching truth. Yet, I want you to hear me. He's preaching truth. But the truth that he's preaching is that of hellfire and judgment and brimstone from heaven. And so this little kid is sitting there in the pews of this church, and what he's trying to do, he's listening to all of this, and he's trying to reconcile this picture of Jesus and God that's coming down from the pulpit with the picture of Jesus that he's learning in Sunday school, and that's the felt board, and you know, it's the Jesus that's out there looking for the lost sheep, and it's the Jesus that's smiling, and he's breaking bread and fishes and feeding thousands of people. And this little kid is having a hard time reconciling those two pictures. And then to make matters worse, here's what happens. Then he gets to be the only little boy whose father takes him to adult Bible study on Monday nights. And so for two to three years, and I can't remember which, But for two to three years, this little kid gets to sit in adult men's Bible study as the study goes through, guess what? Nope. The book of Revelation. And so the kid gets to stand in front of all these charts, and he sees down here on the right-hand side of the chart, it is the lake of fire. And so... (laughs) And I'm listening about all these plagues and these judgments and these vials and and these trumpets that are blowing. And it's tough. It's tough. I'll tell you how tough it is. It is so tough, and I'm not kidding, that there are times that the kid leaves Sunday morning service, stands out there in the foyer, kind of looks outside the door, checks the weather, and sees if he can make it from the foyer to the car without getting struck by lightning. I'm serious. I'm serious. Pretty tough. So, the same little kid goes to bed every night, and this is what he prays, and you all probably know the prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. So far, we're good. Now, we're not going to be so good. If I should die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So my little simple prayer at night is not enough because I'm walking 
in fear. <clears throat> so, I come up with a plan, and this is a good plan without understanding, but it's a good plan for a kid. So I offer up my little prayer, and then I start ticking off all of the things that I have done, and I am an honorary kid. So everything that I need to be forgiven for, or that I think that I need to be forgiven for, I say my little prayer, and then I have the add-ons. Lord, forgive me, Lord, for hitting my sister, although it was good. Forgive me for taking that piece of bubble gum that didn't belong to me. And I mean, I go through it. And it's down to that level of detail. And it's every night. And there are a lot of nights where I fall asleep and I'm going through my list of, Lord, forgive me about this or forgive me about that. And I fall asleep while I'm going through my list. And so I wake up the next morning and I go, man, I made it through the night because I didn't get covered. Whoa. I didn't get them all covered. And so I spent a number of years exactly in this place, kind of trying to reconcile a good and loving God with a God that I had heard about from the pulpit that was standing in judgment over me. And so after a few years, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And here's what I did. I moved into this place that for the purposes of this message, we're going to call it Camp Condemnation. I moved into Camp Condemnation. And here in, in, this, in this part of my life, and I don't know why this is true, but you're just going to have to indulge me a little bit, but God, is, God has made me kind of a visual thinker. And I guess it comes with this gray hair, but anyway, as I look around Camp Condemnation, I, I see that it kind of looks like a, it looks like a prisoner of war camp that you would see in the movies. It's like Stalag 17 or, you know, that, that camp in The Great Escape or even that camp that is in that movie Unbroken that just came out, you know. It's like that. And I'm in Camp Condemnation, and I, 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 I get there, and I'm staying there. And I look around, and I see other people that are in Camp Condemnation as well. And today... You and I are going to figure out how to get out of there. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, the thing, the, the, the camp condemnation analogy works. And here's why it works. Because there, it's filled with people that, that understand that Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior. Not only of me as an individual, but the Savior of all mankind. But they've been taken captive They know that there's a battle going on, but they've been removed from the field of battle. They've been taken captive by the devil and thrown into camp condemnation. We're getting out of there today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is right. So in order to get out, in order to get out, sometimes it's good to figure out how we got in. So I'm going to give... Uh, three ways that we got into camp condemnation. And the first one I'm actually going to break down into three more parts. But the first one is words. Words. 
Some words were spoken over us intentionally. I talked to a lady in preparation for this message, and she told me, and I can't figure this one out, but she told me, you know, my dad, he told me I was ugly. And so from time to time, she'll think about those words that were spoken over her, and she goes right into camp condemnation. Some words that result in condemnation were spoken over us unintentionally or carelessly. And really, I think that that's how I ended up there. You know, I mean, the the pastor, the pulpit, what I heard out of the pulpit, what I heard from the Bible teacher was not incorrect. It's just the way that I received it. It was truth, but I received it incorrectly. Maybe it was careless that, you know, that I was in a revelation study when I was eight years old. But um, I talked with my wife as I was preparing this message, and she told me that she had been standing on a street corner, and a bus went by, and she was standing there. She's a little girl with her mom and her little sister, and a bus goes by, and it's filled with kids, and they're looking out the windows. And she asked her mom, Mom, what are, where are those kids going? And her mom probably carelessly says, oh, those are orphans. They're going to the orphanage, and if you're not good, you'll go there too. Well, careless and unintentional, but you know what it did? It ended up condemning Marietta. She, she remembered that, and it brought condemnation. Some words are spoken over us by ourselves or by our own flesh. I'll give you an example. You know, every once in a while, I'll do something that's just bonehead stupid. Y'all probably don't, but I do. And when I do one of those stupid things, a lot of times what I do is I actually label myself, you are so stupid. You are a loser. You know, I speak that over myself. In every case, these words that we're talking about, in every case, the devil is seizing on those words And he's using them to carry us under camp condemnation. See, the thing is, what we learn on the the playground doesn't apply. We learn sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. It's not scriptural. Think about it. The scriptural truth is that God understands the power of words, and he actually assigns words to you. Huge power in words. God changed the name of Abram to Abraham. He was the he was a high father and he became Abraham the father of multitudes because God understood the power of words. And words can provide an avenue for us into camp condemnation. Um, another way that we can get into camp condemnation and this is really important um comparison, and what I'll call its close cultural cousin, competition. Now, that's particularly uh, appropriate today because we're going to have the Super Bowl today, right? 5.30, and we should be out here by 5.30. 
Actually, I have about three hours worth of material here. So I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, anyway, there are 30 teams that are not playing in the Super Bowl today. There are two teams that are playing, 53 men on each roster. So 1,590 football players are not playing today. 106 are on the roster to play today. 53 of those guys at the end of that game are going to run off that field and probably feel like losers. And they're going to be condemned, even though they played at the pinnacle game of their entire sport. They're going to receive that label. And they're going to have to deal with it. Now, some might not, you know. Some probably have a good, healthy attitude. But I think, you all, I think that a lot of them will. And they'll have to understand how to get out of camp condemnation. Okay? So competition can result in us being thrown into camp condemnation. The other thing that can result in that is, and this is important here, I want you to hear me, comparison can... Could, could, lead us into camp condemnation. And, you know, this is comparison that is even applicable to us as Christian brothers and sisters. For example, it takes, you know, I have to make sure that I don't compare myself when I get up here to speak to you. Because I could be in condemnation. I mean, I'm following Bill Leckie last week. I'm following Pastor Allen the week before that. And Pastor Allen is a very capable speaker. Praise God for it. We're blessed to have him. But, you know, i got to get up in this pulpit and deliver the word that God gave me to give to you. Without comparison, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. This is what God told me to do. Amen? So, but as Christians, we can compare. You know, we can compare. Oh, he's got this mighty ministry. It's awesome. Oh. That person is so anointed. I can never do that. That person is gifted. Gifted. I wish I was that gifted. I'd never be able to do that. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10-12, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Are not wise. Paul is telling us it's not wise to compare. Not wise to compare. It's not healthy. We need to put that down. Now, here's the thing. Church You know, it's easy for us to compare. It's made even that much more easy today because we have a thing called social media and we get to compare with a lot more people. Awesome. No, not awesome. See, you're on Facebook and you're gathering up friends, you know, and everything's cool. I got a lot of friends. I got a lot of friends. I got a lot of friends. But they've done studies. You get to 350 friends or so and all of a sudden... You get depressed when you look at Facebook. The reason is, is because you're comparing yourself to 350 people. You've got too broad a spectrum to compare to now. You've got too many people to look at. You're comparing yourself, and when you get on Facebook, you get depressed. Now, I'm not saying that Facebook is the devil. I'm not. Don't hear me like that, because that's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is that there is a good place for social media, and the place is to build God's kingdom to edify each other up. But be aware that it can result in comparison. And if you go to that place on, on social media, you can end up in camp condemnation. Man, that's some good stuff. Okay? Okay, there's another way to get into camp condemnation that we need to be aware of. I'm going to call it, I've got it in my notes, is that we're disguised or that, that we're operating undercover. And I really think that it's even maybe a little bit deeper than that, that, that we're, we're not real. We're not real. And this is particularly true given what we just talked about in regards to social media. And here's how it works, okay? So, Josh, you and I, we pass by each other in the hallway, you know, and I shake your hand and you ask me. And I got, I'm going to tell you, I got something bad going on. Josh says, yo, brother, how's it going? Man, it is so awesome. Everything is cool. I am blessed. All right, cool. Have a good day. Go good. And we walk away from each other. And as I walk away, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I just lied my guts out. I just lied my guts out. I wasn't real with Josh. I could have used him to pray for me. I should have told him what I was going through. And it might have even been sin. You know, Josh, this is what I'm struggling with right now. I'm struggling with unforgiveness. Can you pray for me? Josh would pray for me. See, here's what we see is in James chapter 5, verse 16, it, James writes, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The thing is, it's healthy, according to the Scripture, it's healthy for us to confess to one another. It's okay. It's okay. You can confess to one another. Here's the thing. What happens as a result of sin when we see Adam and Eve and the original sin in the garden, what happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned? What did they do? They ran away and they hid themselves from the Lord God Almighty. Well, it's only a short distance from hiding from God, and you can set up right there in your own place in camp condemnation. Whoa! That's bad. It's bad. So, you're sitting there, and you're listening to this message, and you're going, well, yeah, that's right, Greg. That's right. I've been in camp condemnation before. How do I get out of here? Well, I'm glad you asked, because you know what? God has a way of escape. Amen. So, here's the thing. I'm going to give you three ways to get out. The first two ways, I'm going to, I'm going to say, the first Two methods of escape that God has provided for us are absolutes. In other words, these are the must-do things. These are the things that you must do. The third one is, uh, is a little bit more optional, but good, and there are other optional ways to get out of camp condemnation. I'm just going to cover one as my third point. First one. We need to understand who Jesus really, truly is. 
We need to understand who Jesus really is. John 3.17, it's the, the passage that follows the passage you guys are going to see probably at the Super Bowl. That guy's going to be in the rainbow afro and he's going to be holding up John 3.16. And then John 3.17 is what we're going to read. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see that? God didn't send Jesus to condemn, but to save. Awesome. That's awesome. And then, I want to read this amazing passage from the opening of the book of Ephesians. And I, 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 we're going to throw this up there on the screen. You, you all need to hear this, but I want to give you a little bit of a background about the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Here's the thing. A couple of years earlier, Paul had spent two to three years in Ephesus establishing the church. When he writes the book or the letter to the church at Ephesus that we're going to talk about, he's in prison in Rome. But God is through his Holy Spirit, is giving him new revelation while he's imprisoned in Rome about who God is and who Jesus is. And he writes this letter to the church at Ephesus to encourage them. You see, the church at Ephesus is a lot like I was. Ephesus was a place of idol worship. It was the home of the Temple of Diana. It was filled with gods that are all about the quid pro quo. You do something for me or else. And so the church at Ephesus was growing like crazy. And as a matter of fact, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to pastor that church. And that church became a mighty body in the early Christian era. It was the first megachurch, actually. And this is what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And And sometimes we skip over this, but we're going to talk about Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What a powerful passage. Do you get that? Do you understand who Jesus is? Oh, it's awesome. We, you know, we look at that piece of Scripture and we miss the fullness of how God has blessed us and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We miss it. I was sitting there, you know, I was thinking about God being mad at me. But He was blessing me. He was gracious towards me. He wanted everything for me. That's what that passage says. 
Second thing we need to do, we've got to get out of here. We're going to receive, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and operate in all of His power. Continuing on in that letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes in verses 13 and 14, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, the church that I grew up in, they understood clearly that there was indeed a Holy Spirit, but what they didn't understand is that there was power that came with the Holy Spirit. And there was promise that came with the Holy Spirit. And some of you may not understand that even yet, but today you should. Because God wants you to be filled with all of the power. He wants you to take possession of everything that He has in the Holy Spirit for you. You see, Peter, who had every reason to be condemned because he was the one that said to Jesus, you know, yo, Jesus. No, not me. I am never, ever going to deny you. And what did he do? He denied Jesus. Not once, but three times. And he had every reason to feel condemnation. But you know what? God sent the Holy Spirit. And after God sent the Holy Spirit, Peter received that Holy Spirit. Peter was a man on fire. Hallelujah! Filled with power. Doing everything that God told him to do. Me personally. This is how I escaped from camp condemnation. I had to get back to a realization of, of, of everything that God had given me through Jesus and what a loving God He was that He would send Jesus. And I had to understand that Jesus was right there in front of me. He wasn't, He is, but He was not that Jesus that was coming out of the clouds on a white horse with the uh, sword protruding out of his mouth, dressed in a garment, dripped in blood. He is that Jesus. But the Jesus that was sent to save me is the Jesus that is standing right there in front of me and going, you know what, Greg? You're all right. You're forgiven. You know what, Greg? It's okay. Greg, I'm here. I'm here. That's the Jesus that I needed to understand. I'm here with you, and you're going to be with me for eternity. Some of you need to understand that Jesus. And, and I also needed to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the church that I was in knew the Holy Spirit, didn't understand that power that came with the Holy Spirit, and I needed to receive that as well. So that was what helped me out of camp condemnation. The third thing that I'm going to cover, and I'm going to actually cover this pretty briefly, is community and relationship. And this is something that somebody in here needs to hear for sure today. See, 
Camp Condemnation is pretty much a lonely place. As a matter of fact, it is a camp that is filled with solitary cells. Everybody in Camp Condemnation has been condemned to the what they call in the war movie, you know, they're in the cooler. Everybody's in the cooler at Camp Condemnation. But this is not how God created us to be. You see, each and every one of you are in this community that we call Generations Church for a reason. And there are two, actually two reasons. Two reasons that you're in this community that we call Generations Church. Reason number one. God wants you to be surrounded with brothers and sisters that love you. Isn't that awesome? And you are surrounded right now with people that love you for no other reason than you are who you are and because they have an understanding that they are charged to love you right where you are. Oh, that's good stuff. You know, I'm preaching some good stuff up here. I'm just saying. <clears throat> the second reason that you're that that you need to be in community is because God has a role for you to fill here in this community. God has a role to, for you to fill. You have a job to do right here in this community. And I don't know necessarily what that looks like, but we are all members of one body. And if you're not doing the job that God has called you to do because you're in camp condemnation, I'm going to tell you, we are all suffering because of it. So get out of there, would you? Get out of there. Please. (laughs) Oh, my. Look, the word's full of examples in regards to us encouraging each other. In Proverbs, uh, the word says that as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And in 1 Samuel, we see that David is gone and he's hid in the wilderness because Saul is out to kill him. And Saul's son, Jonathan, goes out to find David so that he might encourage and strengthen him. And somebody in here needs to be encouraged and strengthened. In Luke, Jesus goes to Peter and says, You know, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail. And when you return to me, go and strengthen your brothers. So we're charged as brothers and sisters to encourage one another as well, right? So, if you're having a hard time making a jailbreak today, I would just encourage you to find somebody that you respect, that, that, that you know, you, you're looking at their walk and you're going, man, I need that person to speak into my life. And let me tell you something, if you're that person that somebody comes up to and says, you know, can you, can you just covenant with me to walk with me for a while? Will you do it? We're charged to do it. What in the world could be more important than that? I don't know of anything, really. Because what you're doing is you're making an eternal impact. 
All right. We're going to wrap this sucker up. Come on up, Shake. Everybody's going, I thought he was just kidding. I thought he was going to preach for three hours. I could. But I won't. Okay, so when I started this message, you know, I pointed out that Paul had referred to himself as blameless concerning righteousness that is within the law. That's what Paul said about himself. And he said that he is the chief sinner. And he said that he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, let me ask you this. Paul wrote all of those things about himself. Well, okay. Which is it? What is he? Well, Paul was operating under the the power of the Holy Spirit when he wrote these things. So he couldn't have lied. He couldn't have lied when he called himself all of these things. But they don't line up, Greg. You're right, they don't. But God told him, call yourself these things. See, Paul was all of these things, and even more. And the reason that he was all of these things is because God was using him. See, Paul had an encounter with Christ Jesus directly. He knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was. And then Paul, certainly, because of his letters, we know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he was operating in the power and the peace that the Holy Spirit brings. And only the Holy Spirit can bring. And he was being used mightily by God as a result. And then Paul surrounded himself with men like Titus and Timothy and Onesimus, Philemon, others. These were men that could come alongside him and encourage him when he was in prison and pray for him constantly and bear him up when he needed bearing up. You see the parallel here? Paul understood Jesus. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul chose to be part of a community and to get strength from that community. And because of all those things, Paul was never in camp condemnation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over this past season, Pastor Allen has preached a series of messages And those messages have been delivered from this pulpit. And he is assigning labels. You may not know it, but these labels are going out from this place. He says, you are blessed. 
You are blessed to be a blessing. You are in Christ. You are an overcomer. Today, I proclaim, you are free. You are free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing now. The world may have told you, they may have labeled you just like this. They may have assigned that loser label to you. Today, this label no longer means loser for you. This means life. This means life. This means liberty. That's what you all are going to be. The world may have told you that you're a zero. You know what that is here? Today, today this becomes a life preserver that you're going to use to save somebody that is sinking fast. This is going to become the label of overcomer that you walk out of here with. Hallelujah. This is going to be those hugging arms that somebody needs. And you guys are going to be that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen. Joseph, could you go ahead and put up that uh, verse from Galatians 5? There's a little verse that I want to just close with. Because we've got to understand what we're going to do with all this freedom. What are we going to do with this freedom that God has purchased for us through Jesus Christ and given us through the Holy Spirit? For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Your freedom is going to allow you to serve each other in love. You are life. You are life. You are liberty. You are free. No more condemnation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? I want everybody to bow their heads. And and please, please just bear with me for just a second here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you that are hearing this message may have heard for the first time that Jesus is a gift from a good and a loving God. And he's a personal gift. And if that's the first time that you've ever heard that, I just want you to make a declaration that Jesus, that you understand it. Jesus came to save you. So I just ask you to just very quickly just stick up your hand and put it down when I ask for you to put your hand up in the air because it's an action, it's an act of faith. And later on in the service, if you do that, then we'll have some folks that will be up front here to pray with you. So if this is the first time that you ever heard that Jesus 
came to save you, that he was a gift from a good and loving God, forgiving. I just ask you to stick up your hand. Real, just real quick. Just real quick. Alright. With your head still bowed, I'm going to ask one other question. If this is the if this is the time you've heard this message, and this is the time that you want to truly be made free, I just ask you to stick up your hand. Stick up your hand real quick. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to move out of camp condemnation. I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to be light, love, life, liberty. Okay, several people stuck up their hands. I'm going to go ahead and call the uh, prayer ministry team forward. If, If our prayer ministers could come forward. I just ask them to be available to um, anybody that wants prayer for any reason, including something that you may have heard during this message. Please come forward. And if you were touched by anything you heard, or if you're dealing with something that you need dealt with, and you need a brother or sister to come alongside you and agree with you in prayer, these are here and available for you. I'm going to close the service by making a declaration of prayer over you. And while I'm making this declaration of prayer, if you need prayer for any reason, feel free to come forward. Let me pray over each and every one of you as we close. Lord God, I just thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that that it goes forth from this place, but it doesn't just stop right here in this place. That each and every person that heard this word, Lord God, they leave this place as a vessel they're a vessel of your truth and your love. They're a vessel of your freedom. They are overcomers. They walk out of this place understanding that they are truly blessed by a good and a gracious and a loving God. Bless your people as they leave this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you.
of me through what Christ do greater grace you gave to me you are the source 